Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. It's such a great honor to be sharing the word with you on Resurrection Sunday. I particularly want to welcome everyone who belongs to Numa Church. We are missing you. We love you. Hurry up and get back to us already. We're already looking forward to the other side of these restrictions so that we can gather again today at all of our locations. Can I encourage you, if you belong to Numa Church, please be praying for all of your location pastors and all their families as they are doing all that they can to pastor you and lead you, uh, albeit from a distance through this pandemic. Also, for all of you who are joining us online from around the world, it's an honor to have you a part of our Easter Sunday service today, particularly if this is your first time in church ever. This is a new way of doing church, but we're so glad that you have joined with us. We really believe that the presence and truth of who God is is going to be very close to you today as you view this and as you hear the word. I particularly want to encourage everyone who's connected to Numa Church and even those who are on joining us online who may be interested to be a part of a special one-time offering that we are going to be taking up in the coming week towards the humanitarian needs that are all of us around the world are facing in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we as a church have made a decision under the banner of Disciple the Nations that we are going to uh, pioneer and lead the way in giving $40,000 of our global mission fund towards the humanitarian needs that both our global mission partners and also those who are in those regions, be it in Uganda or Kenya or India or Asia, that right now are facing uh, all sorts of restrictions and challenges that could be quite different to what we are facing here in Australia in a Western country. As well as this, this offering will go towards uh, people who are connected to our church community in the surrounding uh, suburbs, to all of our church locations, to meeting needs and helping people who are facing a huge economic downturn in their personal lives and families. We will send out to you, if you are on our uh, database and on our uh, contact list, we will send out to an email with respective account details that you can actually uh, give this one-off offering to uh, so that we can be a relief and an encouragement and a blessing to people in need all around us as a church. Now, if you are joining with us online and you want to be a part of this offering, but you don't know how, you're not on our contact list, then we would encourage you at the end of our service when it comes to our giving time that you can follow the prompts on the screen and, and by our pastor who will uh, take you through that giving moment and you can actually give and just let us know that you're giving towards the uh, uh, COVID-19 offering and we will make sure that uh, we get those funds to everyone in need. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone connected to Numa Church for all of your generosity and all of your faithfulness in your time.
tithes and offerings, can I encourage you to keep praying, keep believing that God, even this weekend, Easter weekend, is going to shift something in the, in the supernatural realm uh, all across the earth. And we're going to see a change in the trajectory of this pandemic and its impact across the nations. But also I want to encourage you, keep giving. Let's keep being faithful. We are seeing more people than ever before connect to our church and connect to the gospel of Jesus Christ, albeit online. I think something like 40,000 views in the first week alone we saw, and we just praise God for that. And so I'm going to pray with us today as we prepare our hearts to receive of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace to every single one of us. And we thank you, Lord, that we are not alone, but you're with us. Your presence is alive. Your presence is with us. And Father, I'm praying today on this Resurrection Sunday that, Lord, if there are dead things in our lives, dead dreams, uh, that relationships that need to be resurrected, Lord, from the dead, Lord, even sicknesses in people's bodies, Father, I'm praying the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to come by the power of the Holy Spirit and minister healing, minister hope, and minister encouragement to every weary soul today. Father, I just pray, speak to us through your word now. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you for Resurrection Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can just follow the scriptures on the screen as they will come up. If you do have a Bible, can I encourage you to open it and uh, let's not be uh, lazy in our study of the Word of God in this season. Life looks very different for all of us, and yet I want to encourage you to keep uh, your spiritual disciplines up and keep reading the Word and keep praying. Keep your heart and your mind centered upon the truth of God's Word. And John chapter 20, verse 1, I'm going to read through to verse 10, <clears throat> speaks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the Bible says this, now on the first day, of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciples and they were going toward the tomb both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been laid on Jesus' head, not lying with the other linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the other disciples went back to their uh, homes. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of the empty tomb. It was several years ago back in the late 90s when my mother and I and along with my father were sitting around a dining table and 
my dad was trying to communicate to us, but the communication was coming out all jumbled up as he was actually having a stroke in that moment. The whole left side of his body just went limp and was almost paralyzed. He couldn't move it. He tried to speak, but it wasn't making sense, and he couldn't communicate properly to us. Obviously, we were distressed, concerned, started to pray for him. We called uh, the paramedics, and they came and uh, rushed him to hospital. And in fact, my dad had had a serious stroke. And for several hours in the intensive care unit, the team of doctors and nurses worked on his body and were testing all the things that they needed to test, and nothing was responding. He wasn't speaking. He wasn't moving, particularly the left side of his body, and by this time, no part of his body. And so the doctors were letting my mother know that there was a serious issue here and that there was going to be several months of rehabilitation. And my parents were leading a church at the time and and parenting us, uh, uh, my sister and I, and lots of responsibilities in life that they had to attend to. And all of a sudden, it seemed like in a moment, everything was changing and everything was shifting. Well, my mother went in with my uncle into that intensive care unit and laid hands upon my father and began to pray the power of the name of Jesus over his body. And within a few minutes of praying, as that team of doctors and nurses were there, my dad actually moved the affected side of his body. He lifted up his left arm, scratched his head, and said, thank you for praying. And within 48 to 72 hours, my father walked out of that hospital with not one symptom or issue to this day affecting his body. What would have taken months and months literally only took a couple of days as we saw the reality of the truth that that faith in the name of Jesus raises things up from what seems an impossible situation into something that brings glory and honor to God and the relief of the needs that are in people's lives. You see, every miracle finds its source in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You take away Jesus' resurrection and you take the very foundation of our faith to believe for supernatural miracles. Of the three grand miracles of Scripture, the first being the act of creation itself. The second being the incarnation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and we celebrate that truth at Christmas time. The third grand miracle of Scripture, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the preeminent event that has defined for all time and has cosmic implications for every single person throughout human history, whether they are dead or whether they are currently alive. You see, the question, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead, is a question that is not as prominent in these modern times, and there are two primary reasons for that. The first reason is because the modern worldview of science doesn't allow for natural resurrections. You see, the materialist believes that death is absolute in its finality, and the universe as we know it is all there is, so there is no possible way that there could be a supernatural resurrection. That worldview is popularized and emphasized and affirmed by Tolstoy when he said, is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? 
A second reason why this question of Jesus' resurrection from the dead isn't asked much in our current culture is because of the postmodern worldview of relative truth. And this idea says whether Jesus Christ did or didn't rise from the dead, if it doesn't affect my life, then why should I care about that question? Why should I ask that question? It is an irrelevant and mute point and doesn't affect my life in any way. But what these two worldviews have done has left our culture in a crisis of hopelessness. And right now, all across the earth, we see the fruit of that hopelessness as people are living in despair. They're living in fear. They're living with panic at the uncertainty of the times that we are living in. There is an alarming amount of suicides that are happening right now all across the earth. There's an alarming amount of divorces and broken homes and domestic violence. Despair has filled many people's hearts because these two worldviews have actually taken away and robbed us of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope that it gives to all humanity. You see, for Jesus' disciples, the first three days after his death was filled with great despair. I can imagine that as we read the Scriptures, we, we can imagine and we can see that there was this sense of fear, of being locked away, of being in isolation, of retreating to a place of almost like a fortress, bunker-down mentality to try and get away from the authorities that had persecuted and killed Jesus, that, that could potentially persecute and kill the followers of Jesus. And they were wondering, what was life going to be like without Jesus now. They had followed Jesus for three and a half years and they'd seen him do mighty miracles. But you see, what had happened in these three days of darkness is the disciples forgot in the dark what Jesus had already told them in the light. Jesus had prophesied and told them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and he must be killed. But on the third day, he would rise again. Well, three days after Jesus' death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ took place and the disciples were confronted with an empty tomb. You see, John chapter 20, the passage that I read at the start of my message, is an eyewitness account of Jesus' resurrection. And it's important that we understand that the resurrection of Jesus is in fact an, a, an historical fact witnessed by hundreds of people willing to lay down their lives for what they saw on that day. Pascal once said, I believe those witnesses that lay down their lives. There's something about the, the inspiration of faith in people that are willing to be persecuted, willing to lay their lives down for what they believe and for what they saw. And this was true of the disciples in John chapter 20. The Apostle John, who wrote John's Gospel in chapter 20, describes and records the different happenings and events around Jesus' resurrection. Firstly, we see that Mary saw the tombstone had been rolled away. In fact, when Jesus rose from the dead, an earthquake had come and rolled that sealed tombstone away. You see, not even creation itself could contain the supernatural resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see John saw Jesus' empty grave clothes 
and he believed. And not only did he see empty grave clothes, but Jesus even had time to neatly fold them up and put them in its place while he actually ascended to the Father for a temporary time. Two angels asked Mary the question, why are you weeping? implying that the empty tomb and the resurrection Sunday was not a time for mourning. It was not a time for weeping. It was a time for rejoicing in the truth of the risen King. We also read where Mary saw Jesus with her own eyes and recognized his own voice. She at first thought that Jesus was the gardener when in fact Jesus was her saviour. The Apostle John goes on, and the fifth thing we see is that Jesus appears to disciples in a locked room. I don't know about you, but if I was on lockdown, restricted, and all of a sudden Jesus' body just appeared in front of me, that would definitely get my attention. Well, Jesus' resurrected body was different to our natural bodies. Not only could he supernaturally do things outside of natural law, but even doubting Thomas could put his hands in Jesus' nail-pierced hands and his pierced side. Not only that, but after doubting Thomas touched Jesus' nail-pierced hands, he had a revelation, my Lord and my God. You see, even doubting Thomas, his doubt turned into faith. And in John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. There is a total of 17 appearances of Jesus Christ post his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Even in 1 Corinthians 15, we read where the Apostle Paul highlights that Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses before he ascended to the Father. I heard a funny true story about a Muslim who approached a missionary who was preaching on a street corner in northern India. And this Muslim walked up to the missionary and said, well, at least when we go to Mecca and we look in the tomb of our great leader, we find a coffin. But when you go to the tomb of your saviour, no one is there. And the missionary looked at the Muslim and said, that's the point. You see, if you go to the tomb of Muhammad, you'll still find his bones in that tomb. If you go to the tomb of Buddha, you will still find his bones in that tomb. If you go to the tomb of Raja, the father of Hinduism, you will still find his bones in that tomb. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, there are no bones because there isn't a body. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. And even the very fact that there is conjecture over which tomb is actually Jesus' tomb is proof of the fact that because Jesus isn't there and because his bones have never been found and because he has risen from the dead, that he is our Messiah, he is our Savior, and he isn't just your Messiah and Savior, but in fact, he is the Messiah and Savior of this broken world. You see, in 1966, Time magazine asked the great evangelist Billy Graham, is God dead? 
And he looked back at them and said, are you kidding? I was just talking to him. I want to encourage you today. You may feel like all sorts of things are overwhelming you, that you feel like there's no hope and you feel like there's darkness all around you. But I want to tell you there is always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Why? Because we don't serve just some great founder of a religion who is now dead in a grave. We serve the risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords and His name is Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our Christian faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our faith is futile. We are still trapped in our sin. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But Romans 1.4 tells us that by Jesus' resurrection from the dead, He was declared to be the Son of God in power. You see, Jesus' resurrection is the capstone miracle that confirms once and for all that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He is the King of kings, and He is the Lord of lords. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, and we don't have time to turn there and read there, but in your devotions or in your own reading of the Bible this week, I'd encourage you to read through 1 Corinthians 15, all about the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrected body. What Paul does is he gives us insight into the significance of what Jesus Christ has done when he was raised from the dead. You see, firstly, the resurrection of Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. In that chapter, in verse 4, it says, Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. There were prophets over thousands of years that, that prophesied and pointed us to the literal and historical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus himself in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 26, says, As for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but he is God of the living. You see, in the Old Testament, resurrection was prophesied as a future hope. But in the New Testament, Jesus' resurrection is, was not only a present and experienced reality for Him, but for every single believer in Jesus becomes our present and experienced reality for us when we die. You see, the resurrection of Jesus was physical, not just spiritual. The Bible says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, in, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Speaking of death, not talking about just going and taking a nana nap. You see, the enemies of Jesus could not produce his body because there wasn't one. And what the Jewish authorities did is they paid off soldiers to keep quiet on this truth. And if they were asked what had happened with probing questions, that they were to tell people a lie that his followers had in fact taken his body away. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was a literal resurrection of his material body in time and space. And after Jesus died, his spirit went to be with the Father. 
And then Jesus descended, the Bible tells us, into the very prison and bowels of hell itself and began to declare uh, the gospel truth of literally who he was and what God had done by his Holy Spirit. And he began to triumph, uh, take a triumphant position over all the principalities and powers of darkness and take the keys of death and Hades in his hand. He preached the gospel through his living resurrection of who he was, his abiding living presence. There was something supernatural that was taking place in that moment. N.T. Wright says, if Jesus Christ was raised only in a spiritual sense, then it's only about me finding a new dimension in my spiritual life. But because Jesus Christ is raised literally from the dead, the gospel is good news for all humanity. Not only that, but the resurrection of Jesus gives us assurance of our own resurrection. The Apostle Paul goes on in verse 21 and he says, For as by a man came death, so by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You need to understand something today that Jesus' resurrection provides eternal life for everyone who believes in him. The instant, the moment that a person, an individual made in the image and likeness of God confesses Jesus as Lord and believes that God raised Jesus from the dead, in that moment, the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes their reality, that we receive the free gift of eternal life by faith through God's grace in our life. You see, the resurrection of Jesus gives us assurance of our own resurrection. Resurrection. Paul speaks to this in Romans 8.11 when he says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. Not only that, but one of the enduring truths that Paul brings to us in 1 Corinthians 15 is that our resurrected body will be just like Jesus' resurrected body. He says in verse 40, there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of another kind. And I know for every single one of us watching this online, and for me too, that is good news. Because over this Easter, you may have eaten too much chocolate, you may have eaten too many bad things, and you probably need to repent of that at the end of this message. But I'm telling you that when we are risen from the dead, that our resurrection heavenly body, calories aren't going to have an impact upon us. And can I hear a good amen in the congregation? You're going to eat the marriage supper of the lamb and not have to go out for a run. You don't have to going to do daily exercise. You can just spend your time in the presence of God, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is something supernatural that happens in our resurrected bodies. You see, Jesus' body was both material and supernatural. 
Jesus' body could pass through walls, and yet Thomas could actually touch Jesus' nail-pierced hands. In fact, Jesus asked for fish and was able to consume food in that moment and then also disappear. And the Bible says in Philippians 3.21, Jesus will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by his power. You see, our natural body is subject to corruption. We're seeing all over the earth right now, sadly and tragically, many people getting sick with this virus. And beyond this pandemic, many people suffer from heart disease and cancers and all sorts of sicknesses in their body. The natural body is subject to corruption because of the fallenness of humanity and the seed of sin in creation itself. But you need to know that the resurrection body is absolutely incorruptible. The natural body is weak. It's vulnerable. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, particularly when it comes to lemon meringue pie. But you need to know that the resurrected body is infused with the power of heaven. You see, the natural body is governed by material law. As much as I want to break the 10-second barrier in the 100-meter sprint on my local athletic track, the, the spirit is willing. The mind wants to do that, but I can assure you the body cannot go against natural law. The resurrected body, however, is governed by supernatural realm. And so there are things that are outside of natural law that our resurrected body can do that our material bodies just cannot have access to or our minds cannot comprehend. The natural body's origin is earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. As much as we want to look after our bodies and look after our health and invest time and energy into it for our well-being, the reality is our bodies will decay and the origin of our bodies will be this earth. But you need to understand something, your spirit will live on. The resurrected body's origin is heaven. It's designed for heaven. You're a citizen of another kingdom if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're designed for heaven. You're designed to actually operate. Your spirit is created and designed to operate in another realm. And we will have a resurrected body and that home and that origin will be heaven. Two days before Christmas in 2001, I saw, I came face to face and I saw with my own eyes the power of faith in the person of Jesus. My 14-year-old sister at that time had actually attempted suicide, and to cut a long story short, she'd been rushed to hospital at, and was in intensive care. And as you can see by even some of the stories I've said to you today and shared with you today, that where there's been lots of sickness and attacks upon my own family, I've had many opportunities and reason to, to contend for and believe in the things that I'm preaching about today. And uh, my sister was on a life support system and she had taken about 40 of my mother's heart tablets, of which the doctor said 10 of these would send the average person into a cardiac arrest. Well, the doctors and nurses were fighting for her life. And they asked us to uh, go into a separate room and they would give us updates. And each update was not heading in the direction we wanted it to. She was actually not in a great place. And we were worried about whether she was going to survive the night. 
We began to pray and we began to declare the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We began to contend for her healing and for her recovery. And over the hours that followed those prayers, we began to see a supernatural miracle unfold before our eyes. The doctor said, even if she does survive, her brain will be affected. Her heart will definitely be affected. But by the next morning, she was awake off a life support system, conscious, asking for ice cream. And every parent knows that when your child's asking for ice cream, everything is going to be okay. And so we walked into her room and we saw her conscious in her right mind and to this day no damage to her heart no damage again to her brain why because someone dared to believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ someone dared to contend in faith that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies I don't know what it is that you're facing today I don't know what challenges, sickness, or all sorts of mental health issues that you are wrestling with because of the surrounding climate. I don't know, maybe you're in the midst of an economic downturn in your own finances. You've lost a job. You're struggling for faith. I want to tell you the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is alive and well today. God has answers for your questions. He has solutions for your problems. And if there is an empty tomb that calls us to death, to believe for our own miracles, our own breakthrough, our own resurrection stories. I want to encourage you, if ever there was a time, to dare to believe for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to manifest in your life, your body, your circumstances. Now is the time. And when you get your testimony and when you get your story, it's now time to pass that story on. There are people all around about us that are searching for answers. They're searching for truth. People are in need today that weren't a month ago. They need to hear your story. As I've shared with you my story of what God has done in my family, God, people around us need to hear your God story. Can I encourage you today? Don't lose hope. Don't fear, don't buy into the panic of the world around you, but through the window of John's gospel, John chapter 20, look through into the empty tomb. And when you look into that empty tomb, what do you see? Do you look with eyes of suspicion? Do you look with eyes of doubt and skepticism? Or do you look at that empty tomb with a revelation and you say, you know what? I see it and I believe it. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, the empty tomb declares not only that Jesus is alive, but Jesus is coming again. And Jesus is coming in. And if ever there was a time to, to get right with God, to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin and by His Spirit to come and live in our hearts, this is the time. Because Jesus not only came 2,000 years ago as a little baby, he not only died upon a cross, he not only rose again, leaving an empty tomb, but Jesus Christ is coming back again for a pure and spotless bride. And I am preaching today because not only do I believe in that truth, but I want to see you. If you're far away from God today, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you're lost in your sin, then today you need to come back to God. 
God loves you. God created you. God does have a purpose and a destiny for your life, but it begins with a declaration and a confession of faith in who Jesus Christ is. It begins with a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. And on Good Friday, just a couple of days ago, we weep over what Jesus went through. We mourn uh, over what Jesus had to go through and all that he has done for us. But on Easter Sunday, we rejoice in this truth that Jesus Christ has conquered sin, he's conquered Satan, and he's conquered death. And he has made a way for every single one of us to have access to our heavenly father. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one shall come to the father except through me. You see, the truth that we celebrate on Easter Sunday is, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death isn't the last sleep. Death is the final awakening for your eternal life. And that truth and that reality can be yours today. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.